BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Your Ben Jarofsky show for uh, phase three Friday. Thanks, Jim, for that reference. May 29th is moments away. But before we do this, let's thank these unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. Beep. Isn't that what you do? <laughs> it's like pointing you to see what noises you make. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. <laughs> The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Oh, I like this bit. <laughs> BEZ, you hearing this? Yeah, BEZ, come on, huh? I just you, came up with you that. You got bit this right stuff going? Anything like this, remotely like this? Uh, BEZ. Now, Ben, don't let me down. And don't of course, let me down. All right, Sorry. you're starting to. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our dear friends. At the Chicago Federation of Labor. Vroom. <laughs> you like that? Vroom. That's me. Like, oh, I remember it back in the days of Baby Driver? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No wonder be easy. won't even look at your emails. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've stopped. No, man. It's because you're not from Harvard. Uh, only Ivy Leaguers. <laughs> um, um, have I told you about my afternoons in Winnetka? <laughs> All right, let's see here. Our song of the day. Let's see. I'm looking here. Hold on. I want to make sure. I got one if no one else does. Okay. Okay. We're going uh, with our song of the day. Comes from Sly and the Family Stone. Dance to the music. Oh. Do, 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 do. Dance to the music. And that's where he goes. Cynthia on the horn. Cynthia playing trumpet, man. Come on. That's Sly and the Family Stone, Dave. It's back in the day. Ah, my glory days. It's Friday, and the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Yes, it is Friday, May 29th. And yes, live from Ben's Attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. And now your host, Dance to the Music. 
Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Phase 3 Friday. And here's why. Actually, I was going to call it uh, Trump and I see eye to eye Friday, which has kind of like a a nice little rhyme to it. Very long. Trump and I see eye to eye. I don't even think that would fit on YouTube. (laughs) No, but then listener Jim came in with. uh, (laughs) Thank God, Jim. And it was great. I was like, oh, my God, I love that. We've now entered phase three. Yeah, that's correct. Thank you, Mayor Lightfoot. Although, uh, technically, Chicago's phase three has been delayed two days. Why? I'm not quite sure, but whatever. That's our way of knowing that we have a mayor. D, in case you forgot, all right? The rest of the state, like, just think about this for a moment, folks. I wasn't even going to talk about this. It just occurred to me. Like, Oak Park gets to open up on Monday. Oak Park is literally across the street from Chicago, right? Evanston opens up on, wait. When I say open up, I mean literally inch forward, inch toward opening up, because, of course, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I take it seriously. I'm just pointing out this curious inconsistency. Oh, Park and Evanston, which border Chicago, get to open on Monday, but Chicago must wait till Wednesday. Let's begin with phase one. JP, knock it off. <laughs> Ben's talking about Chicago. <laughs> I'm getting sick uh, of that. Come on. <laughs> I miss JB's explanations, all right? Let's begin with phase one. Big problems become small. Oh, wait a minute, dyslexia. Small problems become big problems. Anyway, yes, we're entering phase three. It's like the Twilight Zone. Phase three. <laughs> anyway, I look forward to phase three. We're going to be talking to Ramon about that. You know, how is she going to change? Are we really going to go back to the, our little humble studio at the Sun-Times? You're damn right, pal. We're going to try. Okay, I've been asking, by the way, guests everywhere. Hey, by the way, are you going to come to the studio if Dennis and I go back there? Uh, negatory. Okay, well. As uh, uh, my father says, yeah. scared, go to church, uh, pal. Uh, yes, the wit and wisdom of the real, the daddy D. Uh, producer right, Dennis Sr. Producer Dennis. Where was I? I was somewhere. I can't remember where I was. Awesome. By the way, I wrote the most brilliant opening. Yeah. Problem is, once again, I cannot read it. <laughs> D, I'm telling you, you'd be stunned how good this is. Right? What is this job I have? <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's utter. Just look at it, okay? Just just take again. You know, look how great it is. Well, problem is, can't read a word of it. Hmm, let's see if I can remember any of it. Uh, where was I? Where was I? Oh yes. <laughs> Donald Trump and I see eye to eye. Yes, yes. Uh, I want a, a shout out. In a moment of madness, I got some good news. The president and I agree on something. And, uh, so, you know, that's good news in this moment of utter madness. Uh, sure. No, uh, no, 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 no. The, uh, the thing that we agree on is that that uh, DB, Darren Bailey, is the finest statesman in the state of Illinois. As you know, Donald Trump thinks he's the finest statesman, statesman in Illinois. Darren <laughs> <laughs> we're playing the hits today, you know, guys. That, by the way, we're not back until June 9th. We're playing the hits you know, today, that's, that's, baby. That's our president. You know, I, I gotta say, on some levels, you know, his his notion of what is funny is very similar to mine. Only difference is I'm podcasting from my attic overlooking the alley. He's the leader of the free world. Think about that. I'm feeling loose with these clips today. You guys may hear an Admiral Theater ad. Oh, who knows, you know? I love those Admiral Theater ads. <laughs> Remember when the early days of the Admiral Theater ads, we would get some people would criticize us. How dare you run those ads? I go, talk well, to you know, Tracy Bay. It is okay. a slippery slope. I don't blame him. I, I always go, talk to Tracy. It's Chicago Lands Adult Entertainment Playground. <laughs> She's the leader, and I agree with her 100% on those ads. 
All right, anyway, where was I? Uh, other men. Oh, uh, Donald Trump and I see eye to eye, but it's not. Uh, uh, yeah, Darren you love Bailey. Donald Trump. Go ahead. It's not Darren Bailey. Okay. Uh, Donald thinks he's the greatest uh, figure to come out of Illinois since Abraham Lincoln. Uh, the only thing I think is true about Darren Bailey is that he looks lovely when he's wearing that COVID mask. I think Dennis agrees with that, too. He's a handsome guy when he puts that mask on. Uh, so anyway, keep wearing that mask. It's been an interesting week. Uh, you and the Darren Bailey thing. S&M, he's an attractive guy. The man came to Chicago. I'm just, I'm just literally pointing something out. He came to Chicago and proclaimed that he loves Chicago, but Chicago is like a wayward child that needs to be punished. And so in my mind, it was like that scene in The Producers, a movie that you never saw because it was many, many years ago, where Zero Mostel would raise money from older women by playing these sex games. They're like, okay, you're going to be the little country boy who's delivering the milk to me, and I'm the innocent maiden. <laughs> Zero Mostel go, okay. <laughs> so that's kind of like DB. You're going to be the wayward child, and I'll spank you. <laughs> anyway, that's just how where my mind went, D. Of course, I've been in the attic for three months, so uh, I'm sure he wasn't thinking of it. And along those lines, DB was just thinking of... Thank you, Darren. May I have another? <laughs> Chicago was a wayward child. Come here. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, so we don't agree on Darren Bailey. And it's not as though Donald Trump has come to agree with me about tips. There's, by the way, tips. Great, great interview, if I must say so myself. Great conversation with Mr. Bike. Ring, ring. Where's that one, huh? <laughs> ring, ring. Uh, Mr. Bike, Dave Glowatz, who is now our city hall correspondent. Did you know we had a city hall correspondent, D? Yeah. Every I came up with the title. <laughs> oh, you did? I, yeah. Oh, was that one of our pre-show meetings? Yes. Uh, I forgot about that one. God, you suck at pre-show meetings. <laughs> I'm terrible. Bro. Uh, D, we're, uh, what are we going to do today? And then he tells me, and then I forget. Um, I go, oh, did we discuss that? Or I'll go, hey, man, all right, so you got this audio you want to play. Cool. All right, now here's how you you set it up you bring up you know hey donald trump said something interesting today he said something about that uh d play that clip no no it turns into hey d play that thing <laughs> oh okay play that thing interesting no. <laughs> what thing am i playing here yeah, i got a bit dealing with me is no picnic like for instance today in the pre-show meeting with uh romana to discuss which we were gonna go oh, romana it's this great show called rami she goes i told you about that a year ago <laughs> don't you listen uh anyway uh yeah, so sometimes I forget things. Uh, where was I? Oh, Donald Trump is not seeing eye to eye with me on tips. And yesterday I had a great conversation with Dave Glowatz, which will drop sometime next week. We take apart the last city council meeting in which they discuss tips. But uh, Donald Trump is not threatening. You know, it didn't come all of a sudden wake up and go, what? Uh, such a scam. That's my Donald Trump imitation. It's getting better. S such a scam. You got to do this little thing with your hand. Do this little thing right here like you're saying. Like the they give to oh, yeah. rich neighborhoods when they, when they should give to poor neighborhoods. Such a scam. <laughs> yeah, so Donald Trump didn't say, I'm, I'm sure if Donald Trump knew about tips, he would love them. Hey, where do I get some of that stuff, huh? For all I know, they secretly funneled tip money to him for his tower. Tips, you say. <laughs> Actually, he didn't get any tip money as far as I know for that tower, but he did get approval from the city of Chicago and its infinite unwisdom to put that sign up. Heck of a job, Rom, on the sign thing. Where was I? Oh, okay. So, no, no, we're not saying Ida. Get ready sad? for that new podcast from Ben Jarofsky. Where was I with Ben Jarofsky? <laughs> uh, where was I? And if, it doesn't help <laughs> looking at my notes because I can't read them. Uh, anyway, oh, I know where I was. Here's where we see eye to eye. 
It has to do uh, with Donald Trump's war against Twitter and Facebook, mainly Twitter. Oh, how about Zuckerberg? Is he slick or what? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not getting involved in this war. He may have the dumbest haircut on the planet. He may have his, you know, he that didn't, brain inside that head's pretty smart. He didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday, all right? He may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night, to quote. Was that that's Elvin? Correct. Was that Elvin who said that, or your dad? Oh, that's a lot of people downstate. Oh, oh hell, bud, I may have been born at night, but not last night. <laughs> well, that's Mark Zuckerberg, as opposed to the head of Twitter. Uh, okay, so here we go. Let's just uh, break it down. I've been obsessing over this, watching this uh, story develop for the last couple of days, and uh, uh, I don't think I've commented on it, uh, but it was—it's really erupted. So here we go. Uh, so Donald Trump is really mad at Twitter, and he's threatening to strip away the provision that allows Facebook and Twitter that gives them immunity to post really stupid stuff, malicious, hateful lies, uh, like pretty much everything that Donald Trump tweets these days about, say, like his attitude about. Uh, vote by mail uh, or him making up the murder uh, like a murder accusation against Joe Scarborough and uh, so uh, Twitter has taken to posting disclaimers uh, because they don't want to be held responsible for the malicious lies uh, that Donald Trump posts and uh, so for instance uh, well let me just say this in the distinction between Twitter and Facebook Zuckerberg slick doesn't want to get into a fight with Trump and Republicans so he is just continuing to insist that Facebook and Twitter are just free markets open markets where anybody can post anything and then you the public can discern the truth as opposed to like little tribes firing things at each other that they automatically believe in and assume, well, just because I saw it on Twitter from our president, it must be true. Like just pick one example that just popped into my mind. Well, you know, maybe good idea to uh, swallow disinfectant to kill the COVID. You know, I mean, I don't know, you know, face Mark Zuckerberg's attitude as well. You know, <laughs> uh, you could ask your doctor about that. And then, uh, you know, uh, maybe you'll learn uh, that it's not true. Or maybe you could take the disinfectant and die. But <laughs> it's really not our fault. Slick guy, Mark Zuckerberg. Way to take a stand, big feller. To which he would say, I did not become a multi-gazillionaire by taking stands, Ben. Look at me. I signed the front of the check. Look at you. You're doing your podcast from your attic overlooking a porta potty. That's what he would say, dude. Uh, that's what I figured. Word uh, for word. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so uh, Twitter has uh, taken to posting disclaimers and some of the uh, ridiculous uh, assertions that Trump makes, some of the lies that he makes up, uh, some of the malicious lies that he makes up along, along. I forget. It's like, if you want other information about this, check out this with links to other things. Trump is enraged. They're censoring me. They're censoring conservatives. And conservative MAGA hatters just follow along. You know, like they'll go off a cliff with this guy. Whatever you say, Donnie. Oh, my God, we're under siege because you don't have the right to pr make up all kinds of malicious lies about other people. That jump looks pretty far down there, but <laughs> all right, sure, yeah, whatever. Whatever. They don't even, they don't even think, do they? just jump. Wee! I'm there in Bailey. Wee! Off the cliff I go. You know, and I just want to say this. We've done the same thing at the Ben Drowski Show for a long time. We do disclaimers all the time. That's correct. <laughs> for instance, when my dear friend... And uh, weekly guest, Monroe Anderson. Oh, filthy sailor, Monroe Remember Anderson. Remember when he made the, the line, and I am just quoting Monroe, so if you are upset by what I'm about to say, 
direct your uh, attitudes, your responses to Monroe Anderson. And you can find him on Facebook, and he will respond. Monroe said, and I quote, uh, eating ain't cheating. You remember that one day? Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought he was talking about diet. I know. It's so funny because then when I first said it, then I was like, huh, eating ain't cheating. Let me think. What is he talking about? Of course, he was talking about Bill Clinton's assertions that he wasn't having an affair with Monica Lindsay because it was kind of wingless as opposed to just regular sex. And eating ain't cheating is what Monroe said, and which I immediately said. The views and opinions of Monroe Anderson do not necessarily reflect those of the Ben Jarofsky show. A disclaimer, D. And they fired me anyway, those mother beeps. Anyway. <laughs> I know. But it wasn't because of that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, anyway, so where was it? So, yeah, so I believe in disclaimer. I believe in, you know, letting people know that it's what you're what they're reading may not necessarily be the truth even if it should be obvious to them like when donald trump says hey disinfectants may work against covid you know <laughs> you may want a second opinion on that one all right anyway trump is so mad and his maga hat crew of yes men they're so mad that they are supporting him on this watch follow me what i'm about to say that donald trump is threatening to strip the Im immunity that Twitter has and Facebook has from lawsuits about regarding things that people post on their sites. So follow me on this book. This is sort of like self-sabotage, uh, whether Donald Trump um, means it or, or not, realizes it or not. So at the moment, there's language uh, in law that protects Twitter and Facebook from being sued if somebody posts something maliciously untrue on their venue, right? On their platform. So Donald Trump can say, Joe Scarborough did X, Y, Z. And Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, Google, <laughs> you know, it's just his opinion. <laughs> you should check out the other facts. I don't know. I'm just making gazillions of dollars off of this thing. And they're protected. Donald Trump is so mad at Twitter that he says he's going to take away that protection so that they would be vulnerable to lawsuits. Well, if he does that, if he succeeds in doing that, and in this bizarre world, Twitter is going to go to court to protect that because that's a very important protection that they have. But if he, if he succeeds in doing that, guess what? Twitter and Facebook could be sued for the, allowing Donald Trump to put out malicious lies. And if Twitter and Facebook can be sued for allowing Donald Trump to put out malicious lies, then they will have an incentive to keep him for putting out malicious lies. So in effect, he will be censoring himself. Not that he sees that, not that any MAGA hatter will see that. They'll simply just go off the cliff with Donald Trump. They're censoring us. They don't like conservatives. I would say that Donald Trump is cutting off his nose despite his face. Not that there's anything wrong with his nose or his face. It's just the same thing. Anyway, uh, I'm with Trump on this one, and I'll tell you why. I'm with him 100%. I'll tell Facebook and Twitter. Well, that's how we keep listeners during our vacation. No, I'm with Trump on this one. I'm with Trump one. on this one. I'm with him. All right, follow me, lefties. Uh, actually, my, it's sort of my liberal progressives that hate it when I see eye to eye with the lefty, the real hardcore lefty. Uh, they hate Democrats as much as they hate Trump. You ever notice that? I hate them all. I hate them all. God damn it. They don't even like Bernie anymore. Ugh, Bernie's soul out. Where's Jesse Ventura when we need him? <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Minnesota. Wait, do your big... Uh, come on. Give me... Uh, what's his name again? Uh, oh, boy. Alex Jones. Give me an Alex Jones. I'll give everybody an Alex Jones. I, I'll, I'll get the music for it. Just uh, keep going here, uh, and I'll do it uh, before... I uh, forget where comes. I was. Anyway. Ah, well, oh. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah, here we go. 
uh, about uh, Twitter and Facebook. So I, you know, I'm with him on this one. I'm no big. I'm no fan of Twitter and Facebook. I have to tell you this, folks. I'll tell you why. It's very personal. It's a vested interest that I have. Uh, Twitter and Facebook have been ripping off newspapers for years. For years, newspapers have been allowing. It's got no choice really. Uh, Twitter and Facebook to just. Uh, you know, do links to their their sites. So you, there's no reason why anybody would subscribe to a newspaper uh, or a magazine for that matter anymore. They're getting a little better at it now with the walls, but still, there's a lot of problems. So that we have a whole generation of Americans, known as millennials, who have never paid for a newspaper. If you stop a millennial on the street and ask him, "Have you ever paid for a newspaper?" They'll probably say, "Uh." No, I. Uh, but I saw a turtle once. Uh, no gators. Sorry, guys. That's my imitation of the uh, the millennial hipster. That they, where 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 are you, D? You got to play that one, man. Oh, come on, jeez, give me some time. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet. Then you're looking for music for <laughs> Alex Jones talk. Come I, on, D. I just love. Sorry, man. I just love that one. Uh, I saw a uh, gator. Uh, no, uh, catfish once, but. Anyway, so if you ask that guy, that hipster in the park, uh, in, in between seeing uh, the catfish, have you ever paid for a newspaper? He would go, <laughs> paid for newspaper? Oh. <laughs> That's beneath me. Why should I pay for something that I get for a free? Hello, a lizard. Oh. <laughs> Where did that one come from, V? I don't know. Uh, it's the last. Millennials, <laughs> keep listening, please. <laughs> you know, I lo love you, millennials, but you are awfully cheap when it comes to up in. Uh, you know, the oh, millennial, their official explanation for why they don't pay for TV. I know we're not as cool as the arcade fire, uh, but, you know, come on. The arcade? Yeah, please just keep going. <laughs> okay. You know, you ask millennials, why don't you pay for newspapers? Uh, Ben, it's really bad for the earth. Hello? Recycling? Ever heard of it? Newspapers? Landfills? Okay. It's not because I'm cheap. Okay, millennials, whatever. Anyway, anyway, so millennials, you know, been living off, living, getting their news from Twitter and Facebook for years. Newspapers, you know, are firing reporters, can barely make their ends meet. So, you know, I'm, I'm for this. If Trump prevails, guess what? Twitter and Facebook, if they want to ex continue to exist, will have to dig into those pockets of theirs, into the gazillions of dollars they have stashed away in their huge, humongous purses, and hire some reporters and fact checkers. Hello, Mark Zuckerberg, you cheapskate. You're gonna have to hire someone, as opposed, as you know, in addition to your little like hipster coder. Uh, I've seen a gator. <laughs> this is a awfully big body of water. We're looking for a needle in a haystack. It's Gator Bob. <laughs> gator Bob. He sounds a little hipster there, doesn't he, D? Yeah. By the way, I got nothing against hipsters. Oh, Love yeah. Hipsters. Oh, there you go. What a way to try to cover go, for that one. Go. <laughs> Love hipsters. You cheap bastards. I love you. Uh, have you ever gone out with a hipster? Uh, you had the coffee. Uh, I did not have a coffee. We split up a bill with Like, him. okay, yeah, I get it. Radiohead. Now, what else can we talk about? <laughs> you really love Radiohead. <laughs> anyway, I love hipsters, and I'm nothing against hipsters. Uh, so anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, you know, when I say that I've uh, subscribed to newspapers, they usually say stuff like, oh, boomer, boomer. You know, like I've done something really wrong. So only dummies like me pay for newspapers. And by the way, I want to thank, uh, I want your welcome, New York Times, Sun-Times, Tribune, 
And uh, hey, by the way, you're John, welcome. I'm I'm a dumbass. Yeah, you're a welcome. Dumb, you're welcome, uh, dumbass. By the way, John Cass, Chicago Tribune. Anytime you want to kick in and help my beloved reader, I'm helping you at the Tribune. I'm subsidizing your salary with my subscription. You might want to buy the uh, the Stoner, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion for coloring, cooking, and creating. Can you imagine Johnny Cass with this D? Oh huh? yeah, he would love this stoned. Yeah, there you go. It's a great book, by the way. I urge everybody, John Cass included, to buy it. So anyway, if Trump has his way, uh, Facebook would have to hire reporters. Twitter would have to hire fact checkers. And, uh, you know, there would be journalists who would get jobs. How about that? They would get a piece of the pie. I, it's, it's, I just think this is a great thing that Donald Trump uh, has done. And uh, I applaud him for doing it. So just imagine how it worked, D. So let's say uh, Donald Trump, just give an example, one of my favorite statements that Donald Trump has made over the last three years that is clearly not true. Remember when he asserted, I'm not sure he, he actually asserted it on a tweet, he may have, that he only weighed 225 pounds? Oh, yeah. Remember that one? Well, everybody could just take one look at Donnie Trump and see, oh, no. More like 325 pounds, big feller. And so, you know, you can imagine if Twitter had a fact checker checking that out, right? I, I wonder how he would do it. Well, if you look at him, he looks like he weighs a hell. That would be the fact. For more information about Donald Trump's weight, go here and here and here. Now, I know what you're saying, folks. Well, Ben, you constantly, constantly say that back home in Alton, they refer to Dennis as Dr. Doobie. And Dennis always says, nobody refers to me as Dr. Doobie, right? So you could use some fact-checking, too, on the Ben Jarofsky show. I guess if it's good for Donnie Trump, it's good for me. We got a great show today, everybody. Yeah! <laughs> Could you imagine the fact check uh, on whether people back home in Alton call you white lightning? <laughs> well, we've interviewed uh, several people in Alton, and no one calls him white lightning. Uh... Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. We went to Alton, Illinois. We looked and found this doctor, Dr. Doobie. <laughs> He is not a doctor. That Ben Jarofsky is a damn liar and damn you, China. We'll be right back. <laughs> right now on InfoWars, get your survival seeds. You heard the man. Dr. D's a damn liar. Get your survival seeds now. Benny J is the liar. Dr. D is the innocent victim. He never uh, claimed, Dr. D never claimed that he was a doctor. People come up to Dennis all the time. Dennis, I got like this little crack oh, in yeah. my neck. You know, can you help me with this? I am not a doctor. But Ben says it every day in the show. I'm not a doctor. Oh. <laughs> they want Dennis to like give him remedies. Huh? Lay your hand on my shoulder from the, from the crick. I do not have healing powers. Anyway, we have a great show today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. On the Ben Jarofsky show, they call this Dr. Doobie guy White Lightning. Well, I went and looked. This guy never ran track. He didn't play any sports. He just sat around and smoked pot. We'll be right back. Not that there's anything wrong with just sitting around and smoking pot. That's true. Yep. So, uh, Donald, yeah, I could be uh, in trouble, too. They could check out all the facts I say.
Anyway, Romana Hussein, she's all fired up. We had a great conversation with Romana. And then after uh, we're done with Romana, we're not done, D. Oh, we have a busy, busy show. Hold on, I'll tell you. Miles will be uh, doing an interview with Miles, Conflassen. And uh, who else we have uh, for today's show? I'm going to tell you right now, except my phone is down <laughs> and I can't tell Just you. throw it to me. I'll plug uh, the show. Just uh, throw it to me. Throw wait, it to me. Hold on. I'll get... Where's my cheat sheet? Oh, here we go. Greta Neubauer, uh, state rep from... Uh, Racine, Wisconsin. So we've been talking about bringing on a, a Democrat from Wisconsin to talk about what's going on in the state of Wisconsin, and not just in their terms of their response to COVID, but their, uh, the battle between Republicans and their Democratic governor. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with Greta Neubauer. Uh, so plenty of political talk ahead of us. Before we do that, <clears throat> the young man from Alton, the man they do not call the doctor with the news. You like that thing? It was okay. <laughs> How's it going? Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this week, for the fourth and final time for a while, we want to remind everyone that we will be taking next week off. I mean, I'm not going anywhere like vacation or anything. And, you know, just for the sake of playing the audio drops, no, I will not be golfing. Wait for it. <laughs> but I could very possibly uh, be fishing. Come here. Give me that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sea bass I got there. Yeah, I know, right? I see the bass. Yeah, but mainly, I will be working on transitioning us back into the Chicago Sun-Time Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, right next to that bomb-ass bagel shop. That's right, very similar to... Uh, oh, no, so I'm going to be... Uh, you know, working on getting us back there and very similar to Governor J.B. Pritzker's five phase strategy to safely reopen Illinois. Let's begin with phase one. For the love of God, J.B., quit <laughs> interrupting me. By the way, that bit will probably be gone when we come back. No, I love it. I love it. He goes, let's begin with phase one. But very similar to our governor's five phase strategy to safely reopen Illinois, the Ben Jarofsky show has its own two-phase strategy to getting back to normal. And we're ready for phase two, going back to the Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio. Phase one was doing the show from the attic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love love the attic. By, by the way, just so everybody knows, there's still a chance in a week from now we'll still be in the attic. You okay, know, you, glass half <laughs> empty over at the Jarofsky household. Just say, just as a, what, that would be like a fact check that Twitter would say, oh, uh, contrary, uh, for more information on this, here are the links. But, All this stuff Dennis wrote and his positive uh, attitude, forget it. You're right. Positivity is where I'm at right now. Glass Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Right now. now I will miss the butter jelly toast and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches dearly. And words cannot describe the sadness I will feel when I no longer hear the brown line chugging through every 10 minutes. But we must forge ahead. I will be taking the equipment to the Sun-Times and casing the joint as I do it. Ben, don't look so scared. I'm so scared. I'll be wearing a mask every day. If the coast is clear and all is good, we will be back at the Sun-Times with our camera. Tuesday, oh. June 9th, 1 until 3 p.m. Central I forgot time. the camera. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to, like, dress nicely. Sort oh, of. thank God. You've been looking like a pig <laughs> ever since we've been up in the attic. No, people, we're not savages. Of course, we will be closely monitoring the situation as we move forward. Our guests, unless they decide otherwise, will be joining us for interviews through the power of technology via phone, Facebook Messenger, or, yes, Ben's favorite, Zoom. <laughs> 
people love Zoom. Like, almost as much as I love Twitter. I really love Twitter and Zoom. <laughs> he hates Zoom, guys. About as much as Twitter. All right, so that's the plan moving forward for us. Once again, no shows next week. But while we're away, we will have a couple of brand new Benny J bonus interviews for you to download yes. and listen to at yes. both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast in fact uh, i'm gonna pull up uh where we post our shows and i'll let everybody know what we got in store here unpublished and waiting for your ears <laughs> we have another last dance special uh ben who did you talk to charlie last rosen to? charlie rosen uh is phil jackson's co-author He's written several books with phil jackson writer coach basketball junkie and uh, have a lot of fun talking basketball with him, including the tale he tells about the time that Phil Jackson tried to get him a job as the coach. Uh, Charlie Rosen, a delightful storyteller. Uh, so you'll love that one. That was a blast talking to him. And I guess we'll drop that Tuesday, maybe. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that because Dee and I haven't planned that. Come on now. All right. And uh, also, well, Lori Lightfoot, speaking of Zoom, just had her city council meeting via Zoom. And as always, we have our city council correspondent, Mr. Mike Dave Glowatz, with the city council synopsis. That's going to be another bonus. Uh, we have a cannabis conversation on the way with Lisa Solomon of the Chicago Reader and Joseph Friedman. Yes, we take the deep dive uh, about uh, cannabis and sex. Mm -hmm. That'll be an interesting one. And by the way, can I just say this about uh, Dave Glowatz? Uh, Dave Glowatz shares my obsession with uh, the inner workings of Chicago government, and that was a geek dive. Not a deep dive, a geek dive. And we, we, we finally, I think Dennis looked up at me and he goes, dude, you guys were talking for an hour and a half. I want to go home. <laughs> And we were going strong. Yeah, remember when they did this? And remember, folks, if you really want to know what's going on in Chicago City Council, you got to join us for that geek dive. Not deep dive, geek dive. Good Lord, he's a nerd, guys. <laughs> uh, and also, we're going to be having interviews uh, after today's show as well. Who are we talking with again, Ben? Uh, we have Greta Neumauer, a state representative from Wisconsin, from Racine area. And she'll be explaining the political dynamics of Wisconsin, where you have a governor who's a Democrat, and you have both houses controlled by Republicans. So the Republicans are bent, this is my opinion, the views and opinions of Ben Jarofsky do not necessarily reflect those of Dr. D. Uh, in my opinion, the Republicans are determined uh, to endanger the health of people in Wisconsin in order to sabotage Tony Evers' uh, administration, much the way, much the way, going back in history, Eddie Verdoliak, Eddie Burke, uh, and the white aldermen in the Chicago City Council were willing to sacrifice the health and well-being of Chicagoans in order to sabotage Harold Washington's mayoral administration. There we go. Shout out, historical parallels. Shout out to Brianna on the live stream chat. Brianna, we will miss you dearly this week. She says, how is it that you guys are airing new shows on vacation, but Blago can only do one show a week? He <laughs> Thank should be you. ashamed. Thank you. Thank you, Brianna. We are the hardest working podcasters in the city of Chicago. We are grinders, okay? We're not like, oh, one a week, and now I will broadcast it. <laughs> no, man. You're right, Brianna. Every day. Poor, poor Dennis, man. He puts up with Dick, Dick, Dick. I just got an interview with Charlie Rosen. He's like, oh, God. He's ready to go on his bike ride. I'm like, no, oh, no, let me just do this interview. I'm like, the guy from PBS, Charlie Rose? <laughs> no, no, no. No, not that guy. Perv, dude. No. <laughs> oh, was he a perv? 
Yeah, you didn't know about that, Charlie? No. I, I, can I just make a confession? Oh, yeah. I forget. Yeah, Charlie Rose is a perv. But I was never, ever, ever a fan of Charlie Rose, okay? Even before the perv stuff came out, I just thought he was the most pretentious guy. <laughs> Yeah. And that's where Rom went, by the way, the Charlie Rose show to let people know he was going to be mayor. You know, that Charlie Rose seems like some kind of guy that, I don't know, would be able to read his handwriting after he wrote it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, okay, there's that. Yeah, Charlie Rose, you know, I'm a professional, Ben, and I type things out. I don't write them literally five minutes before I go on the set. I'm a Trumpocrat. Trumpocrat, that's right. Plago. <laughs> Once a week, Plago, pick up the pace, big feller. Come on now. I got nothing to do. It's a pandemic. You, you could just go in your attic. Dude, I'll produce them. Come on, hit me up. Yeah, don't be cheap. Hire D. Yeah, I got nothing going on, especially next week. <laughs> yeah, Come next on. Week. <laughs> especially next week. All right, and uh, we will also be throwing in some Ben Jarofsky show greatest hits as well. We've mentioned it before, but it bears worth repeating. There are over 500 episodes of this show, damn near 600. Wow. So there's a good chance you have missed a couple. Yes. Catch up on the shows you may have missed at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download. Download your favorite podcast. Uh, if you haven't missed any shows, by the way, we love you. We can't thank you enough. But you may be as crazy as us for doing so many episodes. Yeah. I'm trying to think. You know, I just got a text from Tim Tutton. There's some classic Tim Tuttons there from the hideout. Remember, you have a dick. Come on. Let's just give folks your Tim Tutton uh, image. Oh, my Tim Tutton's not good. Yes, it is. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey. Hey, Ben. What's up, man? <laughs> I love the Tim Tutton. Hey. Uh, and, uh, oh, so many great ones. Man, we may have to take out some of the movie stuff that we did uh, with Sergio Mims, the one where we sat around talking to for, poor Dennis. 90 minutes we spent talking about, jeez, um, I just blanked, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, it's about the Manson murders. I just blanked on the name of the movie, D. Uh-oh, I've been in the attic too long. My brain is starting to melt down. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so tons of material out there. Dennis and I will decide which ones. we Shout get. out to Fred on the live Once stream. Once upon a time in Hollywood. There we go. There we go. Shout out to Fred on the live stream, Chad. He says, I love Ben's weasel voice. <laughs> me too, man. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. More money for me, less for thee. Yes, we're taking the week off, but not really, because new episodes will be on the way, and all previous episodes are archived. Don't forget about us. I'm a little worried about our live streamers, all right? Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. June 9th, live streamers, come on back and make sure to subscribe at wherever else you download the pod, uh, your favorite podcast if you're jonesing for Jarofsky. You know How about I mean? a Kenny Davis interview? I'm just thinking about some of the great... Okay. There are some great Ken Davis interviews from when, uh, from like in 2019. Where you know there, He's a great guy to talk to where we go off on tangents and stuff like that. Just thinking of that. How about the Flannery? interview Mike. oh now that is your best impression dude mike flannery fox fox 32 is mike flannery guys oh now i'm doing my kenny davis ben you know here's the thing willie wilson is right that's my mike flannery. Ah, damn that's good <laughs> yeah that was a good one the flannery interview forgot that one uh linda lutton speaking of wbez remember the linda lutton interview that was a good interview she talked about her news god it's already a year old oh you mean the real ll linda lutton yeah the real l okay that's a little close to home sorry <laughs> you know what i find myself uh imitating a lot now since i've been um uh, watching uh, schitt's creek is chris elliott 
that guy is so funny. And I find uh, he's just like seeping into me. You know, his Roland shit, that's his name, Roland shit. <laughs> and he had a kid, and now the, the kid's na name is uh, Roland uh, Moira shit. <laughs> Roland Moira. Anyway, uh, and if there's some things he does he, he, that just I find myself doing. That's a great comedian. Oh, anyway. absolutely. Chris Elliott, one of my uh, influences. Yes, definitely is. All right, let's talk about the local news. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Just stay home. Save lives. That's a nice Lori Lightfoot. Today on, uh, well, today the mayor was at City Hall to announce Chicago's open streets plan. I have the details and we will read that in moments. But first, a quick recap of yesterday's story that broke right as we were jumping off the live stream with State Rep Delia Ramirez. Uh, now we know that phase three of Governor Pritzker's plan for the rest of Illinois began today, May 29th. But we were waiting to hear what Mayor Lightfoot had in store for the city of Chicago. Thursday, we found out. Thursday, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said that Chicago will move to phase three of her reopening plan on June 3, June 3rd, a.k.a. this coming Wednesday. Yes, she has her own five-phase uh, strategy as well. It's the thing to do these days, you know what I mean? <laughs> do you got yours? Uh, yeah, remember we, the Bendrovsky show, we have our own. It's two phases. All right. Phase one, the attic. Uh -huh. Boy, we love this pre-show prep. Phase, show, <laughs> phase one, the attic. Phase two, back in sun times. All right, one, two. Got it. That's correct. All right. <laughs> Restaurants, hotels, and many more businesses will get the start opening Wednesday, albeit with reduced capacities and tight rules in place designed to stop COVID-19 cases from spiking as more people emerge after months under a stricter stay-at-home order. Lightfoot said the opening of libraries and parks, uh, uh, park buildings west of the lakefront, along with other city services, will happen on June 8th. And what about the lakefront, said the shirtless man with rollerblades? Well, according <laughs> to Lightfoot, we will have to see how things go with these initial steps before considering reopening the city's lakefront. Bendrovsky, what were your thoughts on that again? I'm sorry, the shirtless man on rollerblades just... <laughs> I don't think I've seen someone uh, on rollerblades wearing a shirt. I'm so proud of how I look. I'm going to just happen to be shirtless. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's nothing to do with the fact that I have a fantastic physique. You ever really see a, like a guy with a bad physique rollerblading shirtless, you know, that's Andy. <laughs> I'm shirtless. I look beautiful. I know it. Let the world see. God bless you, man. If you got it, flaunt it. Uh, what do I think? I told you what I think. I think that uh, there's no rational reason that i could discern why we are opening on june 3rd and oak park is opening on first uh except that Lori lightfoot this way gets to let everybody know that uh, she is the mayor of the city of chicago and you know what d i'm gonna end uh this week's by just being really positive about Lori lightfoot because i'm so out of touch with my neighbors here on the north side of chicago uh, talked about this many times. I really love Lori Lightfoot. And uh, I'm beginning to really have these flashbacks to the 90s where people really were mad at me all the time because I was critical of Mayor Daly. So I'm just going to end it by saying, if Lori wants to wait two days, good for her. Okay, D? All right? There nice. You go. There you go. So that's it. If she's the mayor of the city of Chicago, the 75% of the voters in the city of Chicago, well, 
voted for her to be mayor, and that means they approve of everything she does, including taking those extra two days. So, okay. Fred on the live stream chat says, get a life, Dennis. Hey, what did I... <laughs> Oh, oh, come on, man. Don't, don't make fun of Dennis. Make fun of me. Get a life, Ben. That's what everybody told me in the 90s. Oh, no, that's a Chris Elliott show. That's uh, what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Get a, I used to, my mom and I would watch that show a lot, like all the time. It was on Sundays, I believe. Get a life, Chris Elliott. Never. Yeah. And then he started as uh, Dave Letterman. Uh, Dave Letterman kind of gave him his break. You know, he was uh, the guy under the, the bleachers. Yeah, no, I remember him on Letterman. I never saw Get a Life. And oh, man. Uh, but when get a, people used to tell me that all the time. I just want to finish that thought. Get a life, Ben. I thought he was talking about me. Get a life. Stop <laughs> talking about tips. Get a life. Oh, he's talking about I have life. a life. I like my life. Stop smoking pot in the morning, Dennis. Get a life. Oh, man, maybe he's right. All right. now Chopping on... wood. That's what you do in the morning. I wish. That was my, my downstate days. All right. Now on to today's news. Mayor Lightfoot's shared streets plan. This plan will close down some city streets in order to make more room for pedestrians and cyclists. 47th Ward Alderman Ben, 10 trivia points. That's my alderman. Matt, I love that guy. Matt, Matt Martin. Matt Martin. Uh, 47th Ward Alderman Matt Martin. Maybe we should run the Matt Martin interview. How about that, D? Just throwing that out there as a possibility. Whoa. Get the, the, yeah, the reefer out. Okay, we're doing Think a show. About, oh, sorry. Uh, 47th Ward Alderman Matt Martin's office confirmed uh, one of the streets that will become a shared street starting Friday is a street I actually uh, ride on quite a bit, but not this weekend. I'm staying as far away as humanly possible <laughs> from everyone. Leland Avenue. Oh, yeah, I know Leland yeah, Avenue. Yeah, not too far from here. Yeah. The shared street on Leland Avenue will run from Clark Street to Lincoln Avenue at Lincoln Square. Residents will be allowed to park their cars in front of their homes or near their homes, and delivery vehicles will have access to the area. Any vehicles going through a shared street must drive slowly. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm with this 100%. As you know, D, I do my uh, daily walk, and I'm always, my, my new thing is for social distancing because I play, I follow the rules, and I, I take this stuff seriously. I've started walking down streets, and I, I walk down streets with the traffic, uh, one-way streets, so the traffic's coming toward me so I could see the cars. But it's, yeah, huh? Mama didn't raise no fools, okay? Huh? And, oh, uh, genius. <laughs> Did you go to Harvard? Yeah, I'm surprised I'm not working at WBEZ. I went to Harvard. Uh, ever heard of it? And uh, so uh, I'm, 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 I love this, man. I love this idea, shared streets. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Matt Martin, 100%. Eminem, Matt Martin, what's up, dude? Let's, oh, by the way, hmm. one of my favorite interviews of all time, Alden Lowry. Remember the time Alden Lowry from WBEZ came into the studio and we uh, had a great chat and each of us was wearing a purple shirt? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, Alden, um, <clears throat> you're wearing purple. I'm wearing purple. Uh, you didn't tell me, Ben. Uh, that's kind of embarrassing. Anyway, uh, that's a great interview. I think we should post that one again, too. Alden Lowry, that was a great interview. Oh, boy, it sounds like I'm going to be doing a lot of work here. Post <laughs> it, post this one, post that one. Uh, no, and by the way, if we don't post it, go look for it. Turns out the archive is there on both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Yeah. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast. All right. Uh, to be honest, that uh, shared story, uh, shared road story wasn't as interesting as I thought it would be. Moving on, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> no, he's not a doctor. 
But he may need one to look at his arm because, boy, people have been twisting it left oh, and yeah, right yeah. lately. Yes, ever since his five-phase strategy was announced, more and more people, places, and things have been pushing the governor's buttons in an attempt to circumvent his his five-phase plan in any way, shape, or form. Yesterday, we heard from Chris Johnson, president of NATO, which is the National Association of Theater Owners. Yes. Remember that conversation? When will I be going back to a movie theater? For 10 trivia points, Steve, let's see how your short-term memory is. What was the last movie that I saw in a movie theater? Ice Cube. No, um, the last movie you saw, it sounded really bad. I don't remember what it was, though. Yeah, short-term memory issues there. That's a sure sign of too much reefer. The Way Back with Ben Affleck. Mm. By the way, I remembered that. I just remembered it right now. Congratulations. You remembered a thought that you remembered <laughs> yesterday. Well, now I've forgotten the thought I couldn't remember just a little while ago. I remember I just couldn't remember. Oh, what's a pot of time in Hollywood? I just remembered the thought I forgot five minutes ago. Short-term memory is the one you got to watch, everybody. Short-term memory is the first one to go. Trust me when I tell you that. So yesterday we heard from this Chris Johnson guy who is a very passionate uh, president of the theater owner group uh, in an abrupt turnaround. Governor Jolly B. Pritzker's administration <laughs> will allow places of worship in Illinois to reopen with limited attendance, 25% building capacity or 100 people, rather than fight the matter out before the nation's highest court. Yeah, uh, I got a press release from Willie Wilson. He was really happy about this. Uh, you know my take on this. I'm, everybody knows I'm not a practitioner of any religion, but I see no reason why people can't go back to church or mosques or synagogues, providing they do it so safely. It's no different than a restaurant, right? You know, and uh, I there's so many twisted weird views that people have about this virus one is uh i think there's a lot of maga hat wearers who think it only applies it only affects black people i do believe that they've come to that conclusion uh, having seen some of the early results which is why they're running around saying open up open up it's not going to affect me uh so there's people who do that and i also believe uh there are some people real religious people who feel as though they won't get it if they're in a church i sure how they could come to that conclusion but that's the conclusion they've reached so they think they should just be able to pack the churches and let the chips fall where they may well i have no problem with opening up churches mosques and synagogues but i do believe you should practice social distancing because this thing is for real even if you don't think it is churches and other places of worship are not required to follow the directive but are strongly encouraged to this is according to the illinois department of health's newly updated guidelines Elam Romanian Pentecostal Church in Chicago and Logos Baptist Ministries in Niles sued to prevent the state from fining them for holding Pentecost services this coming Sunday. The change came just hours before Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul urged the U.S. Supreme Court not to get involved in a dispute over Pritzker's lockdown order, saying the point is now moot, given churches could open their doors to more than 10 people at a time. Uh, Raul, we got a quote from Kwame Raul here. He says, quote, religious organizations are no longer subject to any of the gathering restrictions in any phase. So therefore, drop the suit, okay? But obviously, there's a political purpose for this uh, uh, suit, and it is to uh, perpetuate, wow, can't even say that word, the notion that somehow or other, uh, J.B. Pritzker is being hostile to religion. 
that he's picking on people of faith, which of course is not true in any way. Uh, this is all part of a larger plan by the governor to protect people in the middle of this serious pandemic. Uh, everybody loves to play the victim card. Churches are going along with it. And uh, my dear old friend, Willie Wilson, is leading the charge. Still love you, Willie. Still have your T-shirt. My Willie Wilson for mayor T-shirt. Uh, but in this particular case, I think you guys are overplaying that one. In my humble opinion, I do not believe that churches are being picked on in the state of Illinois by our governor, even if you guys go around pounding your chest and saying so. We just don't see eye to eye on this one, Willie Wilson. All right. I'm going to impress you with the question here. Uh, Illinois Politico continues in saying Pritzker's backpedaling could prompt other businesses and interest groups to agitate for reopening earlier i hate to press you with uh, so many uh, with such a hard question here before we go to vacation so before you go fishing come here <laughs> give me that thing it, yeah. it's pritzker's backpedaling could that prompt other businesses and interest groups to agitate for opening yes. earlier they've been agitating forever yes i mean they've already they don't need a a ruling a favorable ruling from a judge they've been agitating for the last month i'm telling you the agitation began uh, roughly around the time and I owe this all uh, to uh, Candace Castillo, when they figured out, hey, wait a minute, mostly black people are dying from this. Open up, open up. And in their minds, in the minds of so many people in the state of Illinois, like somehow or other, they're not going to get this disease. So open up, open up. Yeah, it's political agitation has been going on forever. That's DB, Darren Bailey. He's he's the, the public face of the agitation. So yes, it's they didn't need any encouragement. They were already agitating. This is like, oh, I know this is this is their way of promoting Donald Trump's reelection. That's what this is all about. Hate to tell you this, folks. This is all about reelecting Donald Trump with the notion that somehow or other J.B. Pritzker and Tony Evers and Gretchen Whitmer are responsible for the downturn in the economy by what? Doing things to protect people from the this disease, this pandemic. And so their hope is that swing voters in Kenosha and Racine and suburban Detroit vote for Donald Trump on the notion that somehow or other these governors went too far. That's what this is all about. This is a political move. It's been a political move for about two months ever since they came to the conclusion that they will not get this disease. It's a faulty assumption that they made based on the early reports uh, that black people are dying at a higher rate than white people. But that's the assumption and conclusion they made. And they're sticking with it, D. So, yes, they don't even need any help from any court because uh, this agitation will continue while we're on vacation. While we're on break, they'll be agitating. And when we return, there'll be more agitation to discuss. And I will be agitated over their agitation, if that makes sense. Okay, well, I know I said I had one uh, real tough pressing question for you before we go on a vacation. <laughs> I lied. I have two. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. Only one question. So before we hit the greens in the golf course, <laughs> wait for it. All in one. Illinois Politico continues. There's also a question about whether J.B. Pritzker backing down will be seen as a stumble in steering the ship. Ben Jarofsky, do you think J.B. Pritzker backing down will be seen as a stumble in steering the ship? Wait, a stumble in steering the ship? Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, how about a stumble in running the race? That, wouldn't that make more sense? Well, he's leading. He's steering the ship. I know, you know but I mean? if you were like, you want to say a mishap while steering the ship, like uh, dropping uh, the steering wheel? 
I don't know. Stumbling steering the ship? Yeah, I mean, and it's a political fight. I, by the way, I know what they do. So they do two things. This is the right strategy in this moment. One is to present themselves as victims. So they'll send out emails saying uh, we're victims. And then uh, whenever like uh, J.B. Pritzker Number two. <laughs> opens up the state, they go, we were victorious. Our army has prevailed. We have won. The demon leader of the state of Illinois is backing off. I believe anything they say when they start denouncing the protesters with the swastikas. You know, and the Confederate flags, all right? I believe you really care about the religious rights of people, the, the, the rights of people to practice their faith. When I hear one of you, just that, come on. Uh, oh, okay. You know, other than one, uh, Jim Durkin, the one guy, give him credit. Uh, one of you just, you know, guys, uh, maybe drop the swastikas. Uh, not a good idea, not a good look. So it's a hard time for me to take serious. But of course, they're going to proclaim this is a great victory. And so like, you think any swing voter in DuPage County is going to go, huh, huh, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because J.B. Pritzker stumbled at the steering wheel. See how that doesn't make sense? I mean, steering the ship, though, not stumbling as you stagger home from the tavern would make sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? St- so, you I'm could just st- you'd still steer a ship and stumble. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I know it's a technicality and what the heck. But, you know, that's how Ben's my- got problems <laughs> with you, Politico. All right, you hear that, Shia Capos? Wait, let's give some love. That Shia Capos was the one who went up to Wisconsin. She wasn't chicken like me hiding out in the attic. She went up to Wisconsin. Remember when the cheeseheads were celebrating? They went to the bars. Oh, come on, enjoy my convoy. Hey, and they were drinking. <laughs> Nobody was social distancing. Nobody wore masks. They were drinking and hugging. And Shia Capos went up there and took pictures. Got a lot more guts than I do, D. All right? Okay, just had to get that clear. You don't think she had a beer while she was up there? She said, no, I read the copy. She said she took, she she wore her mask, took the pictures and did her interviews and got out. I don't blame her, man. I wouldn't have gone up there. Uh, Sorry, too scared. Not going up there to interview drunks at a bar in Kenosha. Maybe it was Lake Geneva. I can't remember. Yeah, you never can. All right. So there you go, everybody. For uh, last time in a a week or so. For 10 trivia points, short-term memory. What was the movie that I referred to about 20 minutes ago. This is short-term memory. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, man, that short-term memory. Hey, man, he may have smoked a lot of reefer, but it hasn't affected his short-term memory. Yeah, I don't know. Jerry's still out on that. <laughs> but there you go. That's the news, everybody. <laughs> For the last time in a while. I'm going to miss doing this, so I guess I just, I don't know, I just kind of want to play this. It has nothing to do with anything, really, but I'm just going to miss doing it. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter, and, it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. 1922. Oh, 1922. <laughs> I missed that. 1922. (laughs) Good times. (laughs) 1922. That was last year. Ah, innocent times, D, right? State fairs. Got to go to the state fair. Also, too, uh, big news here. Uh, Michael Girardi reached out to Ah. me. Uh, He is the author of such hits as Bailout, the editorial board, and his latest tax increment financing. Oh, Ben nerds out to this one. (laughs) 
Good Lord. Ben, can we focus? Can stop listening to the song? No, I know. And Dr. Uh, uh, Mr. Pike and I, we love. That's our favorite song. We listen to it all the time. Yeah. So good news here. Michael Girardi reached out to me and uh, he put out a Bandcamp site. So you guys can go download uh, his music. So let me uh, look for this here. Yeah, we got a, uh, do you want to read that email that we got? Yeah. He reached out to me. He says, hey, Dennis, can you take a look at what I've done to my Bandcamp page and let me know if you guys are cool with it? Dude, we're cool with it. Uh, go to Bandcamp.com. Uh, Mike Girardi. M-I-K-E-G-E-R-A-R-D-I. Did I spell that right? Yeah, okay, yeah. M-I-K-E-G-E-R-A-R-D-I. It's on our Facebook page as well. Benny J Show. Just search for that. You can get a good look. Uh, get, a, get a good look at what Mike Girardi looks like and go download the songs. Uh, the songs are awesome. No, absolutely. But no, somebody else sent an email today. Oh, yeah, we got other emails as well. Uh, Kristen, she reached out, and uh, she enjoys the Michael Girardi song. She says, hey, Ben and Dennis, any way to find out uh, where to listen or to buy Michael Girardi's music? You hear that, Michael Girardi? Make some more hits, make, start charging people, you know what I mean? Uh, where to listen or buy Michael Girardi's music? These songs are fantastic. Uh, thanks, Kristen. Yeah, it's that Bandcamp page. Uh, I sent her an email back, uh, giving her the link. But guys, you can go check these out now. Michael Girardi, Bandcamp, and go find those songs. And we also want to give a shout out to Claire. She reached out to us as well. She's joined us in the live stream chat in the last few weeks. Thanks for taking the risk and joining the, the crazy-ass live stream chat. Uh, she says here, since I'm going back to the office next week, you guys are taking the next week to figure out how the beep you're going to get back to some semblance of normalty. Uh, I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you guys for keeping me company while I've cooped in my apartment working from home for the last couple of months. Hope you're cool with me reading this, Claire. Uh, I've been listening to the show for the past six months or so, and you have uh, been a bright spot during what has been, even pre-COVID, a personally challenging time. I especially appreciate your efforts to keep the show going while socially distancing. Been six feet. Oh, sorry. I'm moving over to the <laughs> Usually it is six feet. Hold on. Don't touch me. Okay. <laughs> you and your dis uh, distinguished guest managed to maintain uh, a mix of thoughtful commentary and levity during these dark, surreal days. So until the time comes when we can all drink a beer at the hideout. Uh, what is that? Probably next April. Uh, take care, be well, and take a toke for me. The next time Rahm Emanuel comes around on the brown line. Yeah, where is he? Uh, let's see. By the way, every time you said band camp, I just think of American Pie. That's where I got that out. Don't. <laughs> one time in band camp? Don't. <laughs> Sorry. We're riding high here. Don't ruin it. We got one more day. Don't you love that movie, though? American Pie? Oh yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's like an homage to those all, like the. It's basically like an homage to like meatballs and movies like yeah. that, right? Pretend trivia points. What does uh, American Pie have in common with Shit's Creek? Eugene Levy. Very good. Excellent. Short term memory is strong, man, like an ox. All right, guys, hang tight. We're gonna be right back, and when we come back. Sometimes editor Ramana Hussein is going to join us. It's another Ramana rundown. Go download our Benny J bonus interviews. And, uh, you know, we hope to keep the live stream chat around. We'll be back on June 9th. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's Attic. Right back for the lobby, yes. Blank check, 
correct. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? 
Good question, Mayor. Good question. Lori Lightfoot interviewing uh, Hillary Clinton there. Uh, exhibit A of why we need real journalists in the world to do the interviews and leave the celebrities to their celebrityhood. Speaking of real journalists, Ramon Hussein is with me every Friday. Editor, calmness. I always emphasize the calmness part uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, she has been a regular on this show since the moment we began. We love her dearly, Ramana Hussein. Welcome back. You're safe and sound, correct, Ramana? Yeah, as safe as I can be. All right. Now, we have been talking. I have a whole list of things, including one of my favorite categories, white people behaving badly, one of our favorite conversation pieces. <laughs> Last time I said white women, and Ramana corrected me, it's white people, okay? <laughs> so just let get that clarification out. We'll get to that, Central Park, the crazy dog lady. I'll give you my dog walker theory. But before we get to that, before we get to Minneapolis and uh, the great work done by uh, Omar Jimenez. Uh, before we get to any of that, I need to ask you this. How comfortable are you with leaving the cocoon of your home, your house, your apartment, excuse me, uh, and going back to the workplace? Dennis and I are seriously considering, after we take next week off, returning to our beloved studio in the Sun-Times. Really miss it. We just miss the chemistry. Just the difference. Getting out of the house, forcing me to get up a little earlier in the day, Ramana, and getting on my bike and going down to the bright one. And so we're really, we're talking about it. How comfortable are you with leaving the sanctity of your apartment and going back to the bright one? Um, I'm sure if you talk to my husband, he'll say I'm very comfortable. He doesn't think I'm very good at social distancing, but 90% of the time I have been inside my condo um, this, these last two months. Um, I have cheated maybe once or twice, a couple of times, like, you know, go over to my mom's house. I mean, most of the time I'm outside, but, if I did come inside, I had a mask on and I was in there for like five minutes and left. But anyway, um, so I admit, I admit I'm not, I haven't been perfect in this. And I, that partially is because, not because I don't believe that the coronavirus is real. I do think it's a serious, um, I think it's a serious virus. And I do know people who have gotten coronavirus. So I, I do take it seriously, but I do miss people. I do miss actual work. I know that I saw an article a couple of days ago where a lot of people were asked um, or a lot of people said that they wouldn't come back to work. They'd rather stay at home if they had the choice. I'm the opposite. I think I want to go to office. I miss, I miss just being around people. I mean, I am around Mick and that is a person, but we're both working and (laughs) (laughs) um, we're both working and uh, it's completely different when it's your spouse as opposed to like actual coworkers. And I just like seeing other people. I, I, I think I'm, like I said before, I'm an extrovert. So I need people. Um, I know people who are introverted um, feel more drained when they're around people. I think extroverts feel more drained when they're not around people. They kind of get energized with the people around them. So I do want to go back to the office. I would probably complain about getting up early because like you, I'm not a morning person. But I, I'm sure once, you know, I, I'm talking about I'm romanticizing work. And I actually did have a dream with coworkers a couple of days ago. I was telling Stefano and Tina, they're in my dream. And Tina was buying a condo near the Sun-Times office. And another, she was going to room with another colleague at the Sun-Times. I'm like, this must mean I really miss you guys. So I have dreams about the office, wow. which is kind of sad. And I usually don't dream about work. I'm not the kind of person that dreams about work. I dream about my family and friends. 
So I think I would want to go. The one thing I am hesitant about going back, it's not like being around people because, like I said, I want to be around people. I think because we have an open office, I think some people would be concerned about the social distancing because we're very close to each other. I, we used to have bigger desks like maybe 10, 15 years ago. And now we have the open office concept, which a lot of people have been writing about, about how that really won't help with social distancing. I mean, I'm sitting, we're so close to each other. I mean, when we first started having desks that were really close to each other, we'd laugh about how we could hear the person next to us like crunching while they're eating lunch. So I think people will be a little afraid of that. So because of that, I know I don't want to wear a mask inside work in the office all day. That's the one thing I think I'm hesitant about. So we haven't had any discussion about going back to the office yet, but I assume once the city opens up officially June 3rd, there will probably be discussions at the Sun-Times about who's going to come in. I don't think everybody's going to come at once. I can imagine them Wait, telling why the are you, to... Wait, why are you hesitant to wear a mask in the office? I'm not, hesitant, I'm not hesitant to wear masks. I wear one whenever I'm in enclosed areas. But I just don't want to wear a mask like 10 to 6 all day like it, it gets a little suffocating um that's what i mean I, I i'm not opposed to wearing a mask when i walk in or when i'm around people but if i'm around people all day and our desks are so close i'd have to wear a mask all day and that would be a lot like i i still i'm i know i've read articles about how people see people running and they're not wearing masks i'm somebody that exercises i can't wear a mask while i'm running but a lot of people say that runners should be wearing masks. But I've read different things. And I now what I do is when I go on walks, so I usually don't, usually don't like to wear a mask when I'm walking outside. I put it around my ear. So if somebody comes near me, I just pull it up. So I don't want it on me the whole time, especially now that the weather is warmer. I'm kind of dreading. I, I'm dreading the concept of wearing a mask all day. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm with you. So that's, that's the one yeah. thing that's... I, and by the, I, I'm with you 100% about that. Uh, and when we, if we go back, uh, I've I've been surveying guests. So, you know, would you come into the studio? And most of them say no. <laughs> They're not. Or they'll say, I'm not ready for that, Ben. You know, because our studio is kind of small. Uh, I mean, it's six feet. You're roughly six feet apart, so there is that. And we will be wearing masks when we're doing the show with somebody in the studio. Uh, when we're not, yeah. when we're just the two of us in there, I. I why wear the mask? We're more, we're like 12 feet apart. I don't know how far we were along. Dennis and I are far apart. So, so would you have a hesitancy to come uh, into our little studio for a live appearance? I don't think I'd be hesitant to come into your studio, but it only, I would only be hesitant to like just come to your studio period for the inconvenience of just coming. Am I going to drive all the way down just for the show? But if I'm, if I was at the Sun Times, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Oh no, I would, I would totally come. I guess one of the things, like I said, I'm, I know there's, I, you just look at the personality type with the coronavirus. I was never a germaphobe before, so I've learned to wash my hands more than before now. Um, but there are some people who are germaphobes that I know, and this has just made them worse. Like they're just, they're just so. It's good to be cautious, but I think there's a, a fine line between caution and paranoia. Some people are so paranoid that, you know, I'm not I'm not someone who's overly paranoid. And that's the funny thing is, um, Mick always goes, you, you come from a family of doctors. I'm like, my dad was just a doctor. But, you know, the thing is, like, I found that people who are children of doctors, we're not, we tend to not be hypochondriac. So we tend to be, I, I don't really 
you know, some people just get so like worked up about little things. So I just feel like people who are like really big germaphobes before this mm-hmm. became like extra after this happened. So, which is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but which is it's, so it's interesting biz- to watch. It's so bizarre, Donald Trump's behavior, because he's a well-known germaphobe. In fact, he used the germaphobe uh, patterns as an excuse to uh, say he, he couldn't possibly have been in that uh, hotel room in, in Moscow where the prostitutes urinated on him. I don't know if you remember that uh, yeah. rumor that was floating around a couple of years ago. He said, I, I, that's ridiculous. I'm a germaphobe. I would never want that. So it's, he, he, when it's, he admits he's a germaphobe and he has this reputation, yet he won't wear a mask. He's got this aversion to a mask because I guess he thinks it makes him look unmanly or something like that well i was gonna say the problem with him is that he has he's a he's a he has toxic masculinity so he thinks it's like by not wearing you know he wants to be macho so you know you have him being germaphobe but he doesn't want to look like a wimp or like you know by wearing a mask so he thinks like oh look at me tough guy like you know he thinks he's rambo you know he did put his head on top of the mustard tone's body so he thinks he thinks like him putting the mask on is like making him, you know, feminizing him, I think, in a way. And I think that's the mentality of a lot of people who, who think like him, thinking like, oh, why do I have to wear a mask? I'm a man, you know, I can beat this thing. So that's the kind of attitude. I mean, like I said, I've told you before, there's a difference between people like me who know that this is a serious problem and, you know, this is a serious virus, but um, I can't help myself. <laughs> and um, But I'm trying. And then there's people who are just like, I don't want to wear a mask. Who says to wear a mask? It's un-American. You know, they make it into this un-American, wimpy, unmanly thing, which is what I've been, you know, what, what I, I, from what other reports I've been reading, they, they equate it to like being a wuss. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, this is a perfect transition to uh, the Central Park situation because we're discuss we're we're discussing a bizarre behavior by white people. That's the general category. In this case, Donald Trump not wearing a mask because <laughs> uh, he thinks it makes him look unmanly. Uh, from the moment this story broke, I've been thinking about you and <laughs> getting your response to it. Uh, we're we're laughing at it. it was kind of it could have gone badly, uh, really no, badly, no, but it didn't. No, no, it's not. It's- it's not a funny thing. And, you know, although part of I, it is I, kind I of funny, but anyway, the, yeah. <laughs> but well, we were both explaining. Ahead. I mean, a lot of a lot of the things that came out in the aftermath also kind of showed how people think. So, you know, we have this woman, Amy Cooper, walking in this area in Central Park where dogs are supposed to be leashed. So she has her dog and is unleashed. And I'm sure a lot of people do it. But there's this man, Christian Cooper, who is an avid bird watcher. He writes for um, some Audubon magazine. I think that's how you pronounce it. You know, so he was watching um, these birds and he asked her to put a leash on her dog. And then they had this back and forth. And then it escalated with this woman, basically, Amy Cooper. And they both share the same last name, but are not related, clearly. Kristen Cooper and Amy Cooper. So Amy Cooper says, she goes, I'm going to call the police and tell them there's African-American man threatening my life. And then, you know, it's and she does call the police. and. So, you know, we're, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the tragedy of George Floyd later, but this happened, you know, we were talking about this a little before. Actually, George Floyd died on, was killed on Monday. So oh, okay. the, it was Monday? Um, mm-hmm. the, 20, the 25th. So okay. this did happen. So on Memorial Day weekend, I saw my Twitter feed, a lot of um, Amy Cooper was trending and I didn't know what that was. And I opened it and then 
it turns out to be this situation. And I know a lot of people pointed out after Monday's incident with George Floyd that, you know, if the police did come, what could happen to Christian Cooper? And so there, and I, you know, so before George Floyd video came out, a lot of people were talking about it and it kind of brought the worst in people because some people were like, look, this is Christian Cooper. He went to Harvard and, you know, why would she be afraid of him? And a lot of people are like, she should, it doesn't, you don't have to go over his resume, his great resume. You know, even if he was a black guy that was working as a plumber, she should not be threatened by him because he told her to put a leash on her dog. And Amy Cooper ended up um, losing her dog because she, um, I think she was like restraining the dog while she was talking to Christian Cooper. And then she eventually got fired by her um, employer. So that was kind of like a prelude, prelude to, um, what happened in Minnesota. So it's like these racial incidents, obviously the Amy Cooper incident is definitely one that we're all talking about, but the the Floyd killing obviously is something that's kind of overshadowed it, but we're talking a little bit about Karen's. And so, you know, people, Karen, I think was also trending on Twitter around the same time Amy Cooper was um, in, you know, the Central Park incident happened. Um, and I'm sure all your listeners are pretty hip and know what a Karen is. I don't know. Just, don't know, just in they, case, just tell everybody what a Karen well, is. A Karen is basically an entitled white woman who usually calls a manager on people. And, uh, you know, it, people use the term a lot whenever there's a white woman calling the police about some uh, harmless activity black people are doing. So people use the word Karen to describe white women and uh, stereotypical things white women do so all the time. And it's really funny because when I was talking about the Central Park um, situation with my friends and my sister, who are all a decade younger than me, they had no idea what a Karen was. I'm like, uh, did you hear about that woman being a Karen in Central Park? And they're like, I'm like, have you guys heard the term Karen? And I had to actually explain to Mick what a Karen was actually about a month ago. <laughs> we're under the pandemic. I'm like, do you know what a Karen is? Because I think we're talking about something. And he's like, no, what's that? And then I explained to him. And I told him how I think the Washington Post uh, or the New York Times, I think there's a writer there who's uh, a black woman. And I think one of her parents, I think her parents, I think she's like from, her parents are from, uh, or African immigrants. And then her name was Karen. And she talked about being a black woman with the name Karen. And Karen Hawkins, who I'm friends with, the one of the co-editors of the reader, she's also an African-American woman. So that's, it, I think it's funny. So that that was an interesting. So I was, I was explaining the word Karen to me. Oh, by the way, and let's not forget Karen Lewis, where we're talking about uh, great oh, women yeah. who are not white women, but have the name Karen. So it's not just white women named Karen. Uh, and uh, no. Karen. Uh, All right. So let's get at this a little bit, uh, Romana. What is, I have my whole riff on that, what went down and, um, in Central Park between the Coopers. It's so bizarre that they're both named Cooper. Yeah. Uh, as a, a white man uh, who's dealt with dog walkers for a long time, I tend to emphasize the insanity of dog walkers uh, because uh, that's the part I've experienced. And uh, somebody, the, the black people who respond emphasize the fact that she was willing. And she openly said it. And this just shows how it twisted she was. She said it while the man was recording her. While the one Cooper was recording her, she said, I'm going to make up an allegation against you and tell the police. 
okay, and get you in a lot of trouble because they're going to believe me because I'm white and you're black. She didn't literally say that, but that was what the implication was. Yeah. She literally said that to her while he's filming her. So it's like this would be the evidence against her in a court of law, by the way, uh, to, to disprove everything she said. So that obviously if you're a black person, that would be the part that you hear. You know what I'm saying? That would be uh, – and that yeah. is the, the great – but. In your opinion, have you ever dealt with anything remotely like that? Like that kind of in bold, entitled behavior where you can just openly say, I'm going to make something up about you and tell the police <laughs> and they're going to believe me and they're not going to believe you, even though you're filming me saying I'm going to make it up. That's bold entitlement. Yeah, I haven't, fil- I, I, <laughs> I haven't fil- filmed anybody, but I've never had someone go that far where they're said they're going to make up a lie about me and tell the police but you know when when you're a person of color you do deal with a lot of uh white entitlement in general they're like they're we call i guess you can call microaggressions or things that you know white people feel like they can get away with and obviously not all white people and that doesn't mean to say that you know asians i can only speak on behalf of asians aren't um aren't don't do the same things that Karen's do. You saw that there was an Asian cop in the George Floyd video watching all this happen. So we can all be, I mean, I can only speak of Asians, of course, South Asians. Um, we can probably have Karen-esque behavior too. So, and that's not to say there's not white people who don't have Karen traits, but it is something we see a lot. If you're a person of color, you're just you just see the entitlement all the time. And even, and that the thing is that was interesting, um, the Independent, which is a uh, British newspaper, had a column by an African-American woman who pointed out that Amy Cooper wasn't a Trump, isn't a Trump supporter. She's someone who's given money to Barack Obama's campaign and other um, Democratic, uh, you know, nominees. So she was just pointing out that a lot of, you know, white progressives think that they're immune from racism, but they can just be as problematic as the people they say are you know problematic i just find it fascinating that she would keep going on with knowing that she's being filmed yeah um, that's the, i mean it's, yeah it's the part that always that, that shows, yeah it, that shows peak karen behavior because it's like you just think you're so entitled that even you filming it it's like i would think that if you're being filmed you would kind of curb that behavior a little even if you still felt the same way so i just thought that was really telling of who she was and how entitled she was and it's and she probably you know it's just sad that you know that that happened that you know that that happened i know you're talking about dog water, well no, i'll so- just say it I'm, I'm gonna get to the dog one but it's the exact same thing we'll get to it with the cop uh and george floyd in minnesota he was being filmed and he just sat there he, did, he had his had his knee on the on george floyd's neck his hand in his yeah. pocket this still i still can't get this image out of my mind he just stood there looking he he wasn't in, intimidated in any way by no. the fact that he was being filmed and that there would be no reasonable justification he could give to, to excuse having his knee on George Floyd's neck. There would, because he was being filmed. The man, George Floyd had, was handcuffed. He was on the ground. So you couldn't make up a reason for it. You know what I mean? I mean, yet he's just kept looking at the camera like, so... Yeah. I mean, again, I do not say all white people. I just, it's good and bad and that's all. But I mean, come on. People can start looking in the mirror a little bit. You know, I just throwing that out there. And 
Uh, now we'll go back to dog work. I just want to say this, okay? No, no, no. This is my. This is my. I was going to tell you. Go ahead. A funny meme that I saw. I mentioned to you before, <laughs> before I got on the air. But there was a picture of a police officer with his knee on a dog's neck, and some there memes been going around on the internet, and I saw it on some of my friends' Facebook posts that said, "Oh, maybe white people will care now because it's a dog." And that was one of the things. That was one of the things that actually came out in the Amy Cooper incident. A lot of people are like, oh, look at the way she's treating the dog. And, and the way she's treating the dog shows how he, he treats people. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, peak white people worried more about the dog than the actual black man. So there's this, there's this discussion. I mean, I think as people of color, we always talk about that and how white people, like, we love animals too. But I always tell Mick this. I'm like, you guys seem to love animals more than you care about people and not him but I, he likes animals so he's an animal lover but i know like there's times whenever we do a story involving an animal that gets more hits or if an animal is abused not to say the animal should be abused but people get more upset and outraged about that than if a black child is murdered all so right. i just find that bad all right let me just say this when i talk about animal people so i'm not going to say it's white people I'm just gonna say animal people in general. I'm just I'm gonna take they the white tend, out of this. They do tend to be white. Okay. They do tend to be white. All right, but let's just put that out. That's uh, the, the views and opinions of Romano Hussein are not necessarily those of the Benjamin. All right. Uh, so anyway, let's just put white people out of the equation. Although you're absolutely correct, okay. almost every encounter that I've had is with a white person on this matter. But th this was a classic case of a woman who thought she had more control over her dog than she actually had. So. Like, and I've met so many people like this in the course of my life where their dog is off a leash and their dog runs wild and like jumps on you or jumps on your dog. And then they go look at you and they go, oh, I've never seen Fritzky do that before. Like it's your <laughs> fault, you know, like, well, it's something about you that did. I had nothing to do with it. I'm walking down the street, your freaking dog off a leash against the law, jumped on, but oh, I'd never seen that before. And so I, I, to me, that was what was, was happening. And then the part about the dog, which was, makes the, the humor in it, she has no control over the dog. She grabs the dog by the collar. The dog still wants to get at uh, the other Cooper. So she's like holding <laughs> the dog, choking itself. That's probably why she lost the dog. She had no control over the dog is choking himself to get away. She's fighting with Cooper as opposed to saying, I'm really sorry. Let me get this beast under control. Anyway, that is classic dog walker behavior by people who have somehow or other convinced themselves that they have control over an animal that they do not have control over. Do you buy my uh, analysis of the situation, Romano? No, I do. I totally do. I told you, like, I, I, I do think, I, I mean, I have no problem with animal lovers, like, in theory. That's great, because I'm not, like, someone who abuses animals. I agree animals shouldn't be abused. Animals shouldn't be tested. But then there's some people who are just a little overboard, and they're just, like, you know, everything that happens to animal makes them so upset. And it's like, okay, you read the news yesterday about what happened to, like, this kid. And then, they're, you know, they don't know anything about it. But, you know, it's kind of like the Tiger King people, like, they're all worried about these animals. <laughs> they're not the best human beings in the world, you know. It's just kind of like, it's, it's interesting. And like I said, I'm not knocking animal lovers. I'm just saying that, you know, I think sometimes you don't have to put animals before people. And I understand that people can be worse than animals in many ways, but there's a lot of victimless people who get abused and injured too, but they don't get the same attention as um, 
maybe a dog does, Absolutely. which is kind of sad. And there's some people who still have not forgiven, will never forget, uh, forgive Michael Vick. I don't Michael know if, Vick. Yeah, who the football player yeah. uh, who went to jail for abusing animals. And he's come out of jail. He's apologized. Uh, he's given money to uh, uh, an, an, groups that protect animals. He's gone on with his football career. He's in a, a broadcasting. Uh, he's I, moved I, on. I, but there's still people I, who will never forgive him. Never. And I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. And yet, you know, there's football players who are like, you know, openly racist and they're beating their wives and they seem to be heroes or, you know, people who otherwise have problems with Trump supporters. A lot of these football players are Trump supporters and they're kind of revered. So I find it interesting. Yeah. You, yes. Uh, I, you can take kind out of that <laughs> sentence. They're revered. Uh, the man should speaking his mind, Ben. He isn't right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, so now let's get to, uh, Minnesota. Uh, and, uh, I have to say it was a fine moment for journalists. I've watched this this morning. I spent about two hours, uh, watching the news clips from what's been going down, uh, in Minnesota, everything, uh, from protests to riots, uh, looting, burning, building, uh, and then police, uh, carting away a journalist who uh, Omar Jimenez from CNN and as the journalist in me you know the lifelong reporter in me the thing that just resonates it's really bizarre and it shows my bias I admit this ladies and gentlemen I'm openly admitting I have a bias is how Omar uh, Jimenez was treated I know that sounds weird to think we're talking about a situation where a man was killed uh, and a police station was burnt but and here I am obsessing about this but I just carting him off for no reason hadn't done it he was doing what he was doing his job i i hate even saying that romano you know what i mean but this is what journalists you know like that's it almost it sounds like well i was just doing my job it says well that's something wrong there but he was doing what journalists do he was reporting on a scene he handled himself so professionally i was so impressed i don't know if i could have handled that a moment like that to keep his cool and his calm uh and what in the world Again, were those cops thinking when they slapped the cuffs on a guy who has a press pass around his neck and is so clearly a working journalist? Yeah, it was, I was watching the clips too. I mean, he was this is a CNN um, reporter, and they basically arrested him and his camera crew. The CNN reporter, um, as we talked earlier, he's a Medill grad who went to Northwestern University. And the um, cameraman, uh, Leonel uh, Mendez, hope I'm pronouncing the same right, um, he actually lives in Evanston. So he's from here. Um, so it's, I, I just, again, it's, I think for a lot of people who are watching this, they probably wondered if it was a white reporter, would he have gotten arrested? just so boldly like that uh and what and i don't even know what the reason was for him getting arrested he was just out there reporting on what he was he's seeing you know the protesters and you know the outrage that was out there and it's unfathomable i mean there are instances where reporters break rules and you understand why they're arrested for certain reasons or i know that's happened uh at 26 in california there the police officers, they get arrested if nothing happens. It's happened. I've seen it happen twice or heard it's happened twice. Um, one reporter was arrested during the R. Kelly trial. I think um, he wasn't allowed. There was a gag order and he wasn't allowed to talk to. We weren't allowed to talk to anyone. I wasn't there, but I heard about it because the judge was laughing about it. But he had a, he had this guy arrested 
but then he liked to let him go. And one time um, there was a reporter in my presence who took pictures in the court in the courthouse where she wasn't supposed to take pictures. So if you're not if you're not someone that works at Twenty Six and Cal, you know that there's if you want to take pictures, you, you need permission, or you can only take it in a designated area. And she didn't know. And the judges kind of yelled at her. The sheriff's deputies grabbed her. And so that's happened. I've, I've heard of arrests. I've heard of you know people getting reprimanded. But none of these people were charged, and it wasn't that situation where they're outside in an open space covering protests where they were basically told, you know, basically arrested for no reason than just doing their job. That's just, I don't know. It's, it's you know, this, at this day and age, I think, you know, we have a president who calls the media fake. So what's to say like you know the authorities think like you know oh these people are just like spreading fake news i don't know what the motivation was for the police officer but when you have a the leader of this country who openly goes on twitter and you know says that the media is you know the i guess the mainstream media is all a bunch of liars this is this is the result of it and you can say that he's enabling this type of behavior I'm, I'm with you 100% about that, and that leads me to the next item on our list to talk about uh, Donald Trump's war against Twitter. I've already uh, uh, gone over this already. It, of course, is uh, he's like attacking himself. He wants to, one more time, uh, strip Twitter of the protection it has against uh, lawsuits based on tweets that, that are lies or malicious, that are uh, violent pr- provoking, that are hate-filled, all things that might be said about tweets that Donald Trump has tweeted out uh, since he was president. So Twitter is now, if Twitter is now uh, posting, uh, you know, clarifications about Donald Trump or uh, warnings that what you're about to read, uh, there's another opinion, that kind of thing. Trump is so outraged that he says, I'm going to punish you by taking away the very immunity that protects, <laughs> enables me to put out malicious lies and slander. And so it's like, he kind of doesn't even realize, or maybe he doesn't, doesn't care, uh, that what he's doing works against uh, his, his, his interests, if you will, and in getting to promote lies. Very bizarre uh, situation. At the same time, I'm hoping that maybe it'll lead Twitter and Facebook, this is probably far-fetched, uh, to stop being so cheap and actually hiring some fact checkers and journalists uh, to police some of the uh, ridiculous things that powerful people like Donald Trump uh, put on their platform. What's your thoughts about all this, Romano? Um, I think I think you do have to uh, stick to facts. I think that's what I mean. One of the great things about social media is that everyone has access, and for you know, we see this incident in Minnesota. One of the reasons why a lot of people are able to speak out is because of social media. So you're able to get the word out. But one of the bad things about social media is that everybody's on there. So, you know, you could put something on there and then it slowly, like, it kind of rolls into a tumbleweed and becomes like a news story, you know? And so people, there are people who say stuff that's not true and it becomes true after a while. Then people start saying, well, I heard this and, and then everybody just starts going off. And the president is definitely someone who tweets. Um, you know, I and I don't think it's someone controlling his Twitter account. I think he actually sits there and tweets. Um, 
so I, I think it's good when you have the press, someone as the president of the United States, you obviously can't have someone policing every single person on Twitter. But when it comes to someone that is in a position of power, I think, or, or even news media, you know, news outlets or people who claim to be, you know, putting out news, that doesn't mean media like my, the Sun-Times, but there's so many people who call themselves supporters these days, not to say that they aren't, but if, say, the Sun-Times puts some misinformation out, I would think that you'd want a watchdog or someone, I mean, the media is supposed to be the watchdog, but we need a watchdog out there who can at least, when someone's making up a lie, especially the leader of this country, to say that, you know, this should be taken down or this is not true. So I think that's a, I don't know, I think what Twitter did um, in responding to Trump about the mail-in ballots is what started this whole discussion. I think it's a good step. I think um, media outlets need to, I mean, uh, social media outlets need to respond to people because there's so many people. I mean, I don't know. It probably depends on who you're Facebook friends with, but I'm sure once in a while you'll see some an acquaintance put something up and it's an article that's not real. And, you know, there's obviously articles like The Onion and other parody, um, uh, you know, newspapers. They're like for fun. But there's also um, news outlets that print hoaxes and things that aren't true. And there are people like once in a while you'll see someone like maybe from high school or someone you barely know posting something that's just insane and you know it's not true. And, you know, half the time if I know them well enough, I'll be like, you know, that's not an accurate, you know, news organization. And that's not to say that media organizations don't make mistakes or never, you know, have factual mistakes in their stories, of course. And that's great. You know, and we have someone calling us out and say, actually, the date of this, you know, court order was, you know, July instead of June. That's fine. We should be, you know, we want to be correct. But, you know, when you're putting out lies, but if I was putting out lies or putting out misinformation, I'd want people to tell me that I, I was writing wrong things. So I think when it's the president of the United States and other people in positions of power, I think they need, and they're putting out misinformation, I think there needs to be someone out there saying that this is incorrect and or this is actually what happened or this is what the facts are. Well, maybe that's where we're heading. We'll see uh, if uh, I, I got a feeling Trump will come to the realization that uh, stripping Twitter of their immunity actually works against uh, his political uh, self-interest. And will probably divert our attention with other some other lunacy uh, and then quietly drop that. All right, we'll close uh, with your recommendations. We're not going to be here next week, so you got to give people a week's worth of recommendations, two weeks' worth of recommendations. Yeah, I, I have I have uh, three recommendations this week. Um, I, I know I talked to you about Rami before on Hulu. It's about an Egyptian-American um, millennial and him navigating his faith, Islam, and his life. He's not the perfect person, but... They actually have a lot, a lot of good um, social and political commentary within these short episodes, which are mostly funny. It's kind of like dark humor. Um, that's a good, so that's starting up again today, tonight on Hulu. So it's Rami, R-A-M-Y, which I'm going to definitely watch. And it's been getting um, pretty good reviews. There's been a lot of interviews. I think Rami Yusuf, who's the, um, the lead and the writer in the show, he was on NPR this morning. So if you ever get Hulu, Ben, or if I give you the password that I use of my friends, okay. you can watch it. You just gave that out. Uh, she's not really going to do that. <laughs> she's just kidding. It's a joke by 
go ahead. We, uh, I, I, I've told Mick this. I go, oh, all us Indian, well, all my Indian friends, whenever, like, we have so many friends we grew up with. If somebody needs a password for anything, everybody's like, hey, who has Amazon Prime? Okay, I'll give you my password. <laughs> everybody shares each other's password. How is anybody, and, you know, how are they making money? <laughs> Netflix actually jokes about it. Netflix always has jokes on Twitter, like, oh, make sure you, all your friends have your password. We're starting the show tonight. So I'm just letting you know. I know, I know, I can also talk about my people. We definitely all share. Okay. And so um, the the other show, which is also on Hulu, um, which I just started, I only started one episode, is Mrs. America. America. It's about uh, the feminist movement. And uh, is it Phyllis? I always, I, I don't know Phyllis why I Schlafly. can't pronounce her name. Yeah. Schlafly. Mm-hmm. I, Kate Blanchett plays her. And uh, we. I just watched one episode so far, and I think I'm going to keep watching it. It's a pretty good cast. Um, I do want to, I, I do want to watch it because, and I, so I watched one episode and I, I, I like it enough to continue. So that's my second recommendation. And my third recommendation is a show that already, um, has been on air for about a year and the second season just dropped in May. This is called, uh, Dead to Me, Christina Applegate and Linda, why do I always forget her name? She was a girl in Scooby-Doo and I don't know why I'm forgetting Cardinelli? but anyway, <laughs> Lynn. Yeah, Cardinelli. She was, oh, she was a priest in deep. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> I knew a young person would know. But basically, it's a show about this woman who's grieving her husband. He was hit, killed in a hit and run. And it's a dark comedy, and it's more of a chick flick. And Ben, I know, I think you're more of a chick flick guy <laughs> than a lot of guys are, which is fine. Yeah. I, I can tell by just talking to you and the type of stuff you like you like you some men all men will watch some chick flicks but you seem to be like more open to it like i was the reason i started watching that show is because i just finished um native son and that was a very like heavy heavy book and i loved it but um i was like i'm gonna watch something really like you know it's it's a dark humor it's black comedy but something a little more lighter and um i knew mick wouldn't want to watch it and i I, when i was watching it i was thinking ben would probably like this show you know i I, think you'd like it i i wrote it down it's on netflix so i don't even have to uh borrow anyone i actually subscribe to netflix uh you know (laughs) i i uh i'm i'm always complaining about uh chick flicks and uh but then on the down low, I'm kind of like really into them. And uh, <laughs> like the one I told you about, I think it's called Lovebirds, which is really one of yeah, the dumbest movies. Yeah. And I can't tell you how much I liked it and enjoyed it. And I, you know, when people ask, well, no, I didn't really like it, but kind of, you know, it's like that uh, in Tommy Boy. Remember that great one of the greatest movies of the 90s where uh, Chris Farley's. And David Spade are driving, and they start singing along. They're like Barry Manilow yeah. or something. It's kind of like. No, it was Michael. It was Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton? What? Dang. I'll tell you what, Romana's saying those are 90s trivia. Uh, it was Michael Bolton. I watched that movie. Because I watched that movie, and that cracked me up. It Wait, was time Michael, out. Which is, which is more embarrassing? To love Michael Bolton or love Barry Manilow? Go. Probably Michael Bolton, because at least Barry Manilow you can say, oh, you know, the '70s. I kind of like that quiche stuff, like you know that. So you can, I guess, Barry Manilow, because I doesn't he sing Copacabana? I kind of oh, like one it. of the greatest songs ever written, Copacabana. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> one time, my wife and I tried to get go to a Barry Manilow concert, but it was sold out. So we had a lot of fun just Uh-oh. hanging around, watching all the people go into the Barry Manilow concert. Uh, but th- yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you admitted that. 
because I wouldn't admit that. <laughs> Which part? That yeah, yeah. Very like, uh, Yeah, I, I get a lot of grief. Uh, I am a. I've kind of listened to his songs so much that I'm tired of them now. So I'm like, if it comes on the radio, I'll probably turn it. But yeah, no, I'm not gonna lie to you. I love Barry Manilow. Um, uh, I've been up down trying <laughs> anyway i will not sing bear anyway love love birds uh is a really dumb movie that i loved immensely and a little embarrassed to say how much i liked it so if you like dumb romance uh what do they call them rom-coms if you like dumb rom-coms Rom-com. yeah uh that is the one well Issa, Issa ray Issa ray's um she stars in the show called in- insecure so she's very she's very popular right now kumail nanjiani is also very popular right now too so i think I think I saw like little trailers about, so I think, I think people are going to watch it. People are just looking for anything new. So I'm definitely going to watch those three shows. All right. By the time I come back, I will have probably started watching dead to me. I still can't watch, uh, what is it? Do you pronounce it? Rami or Rami? I can't watch it because I don't Yeah. So unless I uh, steal your Hulu, uh, subscription which is actually your cousins i guess so uh whether somehow or other or your friend i'm like an honorary indian american for one week while i steal their uh (laughs) uh get the dibs on that one i cannot watch it i'll have to wait for it like actually if you wait about two years everything's on netflix um all right uh ramana take uh be safe be sound uh we'll talk to you in two weeks maybe we'll be back at the beloved bright one in our studio and we have that conversation Uh, Maybe we'll be there and you'll still be at home or maybe we'll still be in the attic. Lord knows what the world will look like in two weeks. Yep. I think things are going to change. All right. Very good. Slowly. Uh, Thank you very much. Ramon Hussein, Chicago Sun-Times columnist, editor every week on the Ben Jurassic Show. What you got for me, Dean? That's cool, man. You're going to watch that show, Rami. You love Rami. Thank you, Chicago, (laughs) for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Doofus in the back. And then didn't didn't we figure out that he was at another rally? I think he was at a rounder rally. No, it was Genie Ives. Oh, Genie Ives. Very good. What a memory. Genie Ives was running for... uh, That's why I've announced I'm going to run for governor. Oh, hell yeah! (laughs) And then we're like, hey, that's the guy at the ROM rally. He just goes to different rallies. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Oh, calm down, buddy. <laughs> really, guy, it wasn't that great that Rom won, okay? First of all, it wasn't that exciting. He had a gazillion dollars in name recognition, and people thought, oh, he's Obama's candidate. I'll vote for him. So it wasn't that surprising, and it turned out to be not that good. Shout out to Brianna. She's got a new nickname for you, Chick Flick Jarofsky. <laughs> Pretty good. I like that. Chick Flick. All right, we got quite a few updates here. Okay. Uh, first <laughs> off, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, and let's see here. Uh, the Minneapolis officer who was seen on video kneeling on the neck of George Floyd uh, looks like he was arrested and charged with murder while we were doing the show. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what else to call it, D. It looked mm-hmm. like murder to me. Yeah, yeah. we still got two or three other fellers there involved in it that uh, we're waiting to see what happens. But uh, that main officer there, uh, he's been arrested and charged with murder. So there's that. Uh, let's see what we got here as well. Oh, you guys, check out the latest Fran Spielman podcast, all right? Chicago Sun-Times website. Fran Spielman interviews Chicago Department of Transportation Commissioner Gia Biaghi. Probably pronounced that wrong. I think that was Gia driving the brown line just Gia. now. Yeah, she, you know, everybody, you know, chips in at the city of Chicago. So when she's not running the Department of Transportation, 
She's driving a train. Go check out that Franz Spielman podcast. She also has an archive of shows as well. But I mean, she doesn't have like over 500 uh, episodes like we do on the Ben Jarofsky show. We encourage all of you to go check that out. We're taking next week off. All right. We got some Benny J bonus interviews, brand new ones that you could check out. And we're going to mix in there in the middle of that. Some greatest hits. The old Lori Lightfoot interview. The time Kim Fox said bullshit on our show. Uh, so many memories. Uh, we're going to try and post a lot of those there uh, while we're gone. So be sure to download those at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast and finally here uh governor jb pritzker i'm not a doctor <laughs> not a doctor uh, not a doctor okay not a doctor uh he just gave his 230 uh press briefing as we all know at the thompson center uh we got some updates on that uh it says here let me get the most uh, up-to-date one here uh the stay-at-home order has been lifted for illinois it's now a new executive order called the community Recovery order. That's correct. It reflects our new, more open reality. By the way, if you live in Chicago, I don't know if this attains to you, but after June 3rd, maybe. I don't know. Uh, there's still a limit of 10 for groups, and you still need to maintain social distance and wear face covering. So bye-bye, stay-at-home order. Hello, community recovery order. I feel better already, Dave. You too? Yeah, I feel better All right, better so let's go. In two weeks, we'll be back at the Sun-Times, right? If it's up to you and me. Oh, God, he's sweating right now when he said that. You guys can't see it. There's no camera. Oh, my God. We're going to try our best, though, to be back at the Sun-Times uh, Reader Studio with a camera. And we appreciate everybody who's hung tight with us uh, here in the, the attic sessions of the Ben Jarofsky show. It's been pretty fun. I like the uh, brown line gig. But, uh, I mean, I'm talking like we're not going to be here in the attic. But who knows? We may be. But we're going to try to really work for... Uh, Moving ahead. You know what, D, uh, when you just said that, you don't know this, but our older listeners know this, the attic sessions. I like that. Bob Dylan had the basement tapes. We have the attic yes. session. Huh? Yes. How about that, D? Huh? You yes. Did. All right. We're cool like Bobby D. Dang. You're, you may be a better singer than Bobby D. Uh, uh, I think at this stage in life, I have you heard him? <laughs> He's actually worse now the than he brown was. brown line. <laughs> hey, don't say anything bad about Bobby D. All right, everybody. Take care. We're out of here for the week. Uh, and uh, we'll miss all of you. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, my Ben, so that's my microphone. Uh, we'll be off for a week. Uh, but uh, one thing is certain, that every day we're off, I'll be thanking, thank the Lord for the young man from Alton, Illinois, the man they do not call White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Stay safe and sound, everybody. See you in a week. <sighs>
Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! I'm a Trumpocrat. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. That's correct.